0: Hey there, producer Dennis here, and welcome to What Else Was News, a Ben Jarovsky show week in review. Quite a bit of aldermanic talk on the show recently. So this week, it's our Alder Media special. Before we get started, remember that the Ben Jarofsky Show is live and downloaded on both Chicago Reader and Chicago Sun-Times websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com. We go live Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, and the show is downloadable by 4 p.m., chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever you download your favorite podcast. Also, find us on social media at Show. Leave us your comments, questions, concerns, make fun of us, whatever you want to do, at Benny. Jay Show. All right, let the aldermania begin. First up, election lawyer Adolfo Elmon Dragón and Chicago news legend Monroe Anderson discuss alderman Ed Burke and more. Benny Jay, take it away. Live from the Sun
1: Times, Adolfo El Dragón, Mondragón, the political strategist from the Southwest Side, is with us in the studio, along with Monroe Anderson, hanging around. Monroe Monday, even though it's on a Tuesday, talking Trump, Trump, and Trump. I'm now going to bring these two worlds together. I promise I would do it, and I'm going to do it now. Are the voters who voted for Ed Burke? on the southwest side of the city of Chicago, even though he is under indictment right now for shaking down that Burger King franchisees, uh, Adolfo and um, Monroe. Are they as blindsided to the deficiencies of the man they love as Republican voters are for Donald John Trump? Adolfo. All
2: right. So I think that when you say blindsided, you mean loyal? (laughs) I think they're both as loyal, but for different reasons. There's different dynamics at play. I think for for Trump... It's a demographic in the white community that um, wants to feel like their problems can be blamed on somebody else, and they like the promise of a rich man telling them that they, too, somehow could become rich, right? Mm -hmm. I think with Burke, it's, uh, it's a matter of livelihood. It's people who work in the city, who work in the system. And I'll give you anecdotally some of the stuff that our uh, poll watchers were hearing because it was actually pretty friendly. We thought, you know, there might be beefs or something like there usually is in a tight uh, race, but everybody was pretty friendly. There's might've been one or two issues, but so some of the stories people would get was some of these Burke um, poll watchers at the end of the day would say, listen to Hymas people, you know, you guys did a great job. We admire your guy. If, if it wasn't for the fact that we, we're doing this because our livelihood depends on this, you know. If we lose, if we lose this election, we don't work tomorrow. Maybe not literally tomorrow, but they, they lose their jobs. Um, one poll, worker, one poll watcher told me that, um, that at the end of the day, when the tickets were coming out and they saw that they had their margin, they they had a cooler set up already in the poll station with beer and everything. They went out there, they started yahooing, and they went out there at some other time because for them. That was it. It was like do or die. You know, um, they owe a lot to Burke, e- either they or their family, their their fathers, their uncles, whatever. And I bet you they were reminded constantly about it. And so they owe allegiance because of these favors, jobs, whatever, little things that got done for them. And that's why they were out there. Mm. Whereas Burke's well, Trump's people is a completely different reason. Yeah.
3: When I was press secretary, mm-hmm. Dick Mill came into my office. Alderman Dick Mel. Yeah. Alderman Dick Mel mm-hmm. with a list. And he says to me, he says, you tell Sawyer that either he hires our people on this list or we're going to run one of our guys against him and take him out of office. Mm. Sawyer didn't hire off the list. Mm-hmm. They took Sawyer out of office.
1: Well, first of all, let me just say they were ready to take Sawyer out of office. Regardless, he could have hired every single person on that list. Yeah, and is, Dick Bell and Ed Burke was still. Been, yeah. And Daly was coming anyway back in 1989. Right, right, right. Uh, but right. Uh, that's an well, interesting yeah, story. A little but, yeah. power politics yeah, there.
3: exactly, exactly. So so he's absolutely right about that. With Trump, it's a different situation. It's racial, most of those trump repo- uh, supporters are white men uneducated who feel that they're being left behind. they're They're becoming more insignificant than they were and Trump em- em- empowers them, embodens them so they feel they're, they're comfortable with their racist statements and their racist mentality and it's what has You know, back in the days of slavery, you had these these white guys who didn't have a pot and a window—a pot to piss in and a window to throw it out of. (laughs) But the thing is, this is cable, so I can do that, (laughs) right? Welcome to podcasting, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But these guys—the one thing they had was they weren't, so that made them superior, and so they were all right. And so it's 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 that sort of mentality um, now among um, middle age and older age
2: white men. Uneducated. And even the, look, Tucker Carlson. Right. There's a uh, more audio of him now. Not only the misogynist stuff, but now the racial stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the same thing. White guys, we created civilization. Why shouldn't we proud, be proud to be white guys, mm-hmm. you know? Hey. That BS.
1: Well, that bullshit. Well, uh, we're all just <laughs> yeah. letting our freak flags <laughs> fly. Uh, this is a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We've been liberated from regular radio. Uh, by the way, I want to say that Adolfo has no longer, but for years, had a, a real radio show, like on radio 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 show. She right. goodness, said that word. Yeah, which
2: is what we met, because you yeah. had one, too.
1: Right. I had one right before you. Right before you. Uh, uh, but, I
2: had a
3: real t- TV show. <laughs> that's right. Right, uh, and you
1: definitely wouldn't have said anything like you right. just said. Right. Um, it, now, one of the things that Donald Trump has also done, um, which is interesting, going back again to the the Burke comparison, is that he has really a demonized Hispanics, and in a way that um, it, it's. I haven't seen done in the city of Chicago. You know, in Chicago, was like this racial uh, fight that Monroe was alluding to when he's talking about uh, uh, Burke fighting for, uh, Washington and Burke fighting Stoyer. Right. But Donald Trump has really demonized uh, Hispanics. And this is interesting. Ed Burke, among his clients that he represented as a property tax attorney, was that Donald Trump, he got a tax break for the Donald the Trump Tower right here in the city. Uh, right. You would figure that Hispanic right. voters in the 14th ward would vote overwhelmingly against him, and yet that was not the case.
2: Right? No, it wasn't the case because if um, so, speaking of the area that was more Latino-heavy um, voter base in Gage Park and Brighton Park and Archer Heights, uh, even there, Burke kept the majority. Uh, he won about 50% or a little bit more of the vote. Wow! And poll watchers coming, you know, that were working for. The Guzman campaign and probably the ones for Patinos campaign could probably say, as Latinos were walking into those polls, they were like, nah, man, Burke's my guy because he takes care of my uh you know, uh, of my alley and he you know, makes sure that the street lights are working and and so you you still have that self interest um dynamic there that even even you know makes it even out, all the bad stuff even out.
1: So this is an interesting new dynamic there. First you talked about uh city employees who feel uh, an obligation to vote for Burke because they're afraid that if he's defeated, they'll lose your job. And now you're talking about ordinary Hispanic citizens who aren't working for the city, uh, who somehow or other believe that Ed Burke is the reason their garbage gets collected as a like if Ed Burke were defeated. This is right. so Chicago this right. mentality. You don't fall if Ed Burke were defeated. City workers would no right. longer collect garbage. Right.
2: And to add to that, there's also <laughs> there's also a uh, racism and class colorism uh, issue there as well because as you go farther west you get more lily white in the neighborhoods, right? So if you're on the far end, on the far east end in Brighton Park, that's where you see the murders and you see all the gang violence and stuff. So if you're a voter there, you're probably more apt to vote mm-hmm. along the lines of a progressive Latino. But if you're in Archer Heights, you moved out of Brighton Park, you moved out of the back of the yards, you moved out of the, 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 the ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you're like, no, I'm not going to go back to the way it used to be. Burke keeps my, you know, my neighborhood running pretty well. I'm going to vote for the guy. So right. there's that dynamic as well.
1: Before we uh, take our break and bring on our, our next get, uh, the immortal, Mike Novak is in the studio. Before we do that, <laughs> he's looking around like, huh, I'm immortal now. I want a prediction from uh, both uh, Adolfo and Monroe, and that is this. Uh, Ed Burke has been successfully elected. We're about to have a mayoral runoff. So either Tony or Laurie will be the new mayor. In your humble opinion, I want a prediction here. Will they keep... Ed Burke with his position of prominence in the Chicago city council, or will they treat him, you know, uh, like a pariah, uh, Adolfo, your prediction.
2: Well, I think if it's Lori, um, because she's got, I think gone on the record that she would treat him like a pariah and try to force him out. I think that there would be some incentive to do that then and not look bad. I think if it's Tony, unfortunately, I mean, she's cozied up to the dailies before she's cozied up to burials, She's, she already has a relationship with Burke. I think that she would stymie me out of out of doing something like that. Monroe prediction.
3: He's absolutely right. I agree with him one hundred percent. Sawyer took Burke out out as finance chair, and um, if if memory serves me right, he put Tim Evans in. But anyway, uh, Burke was not his his finance chair. He took him out. So yeah. Burke can, has been removed. Can be removed. He. Uh, apparently it's No,
1: Harold house. Washington took him out. Uh, Harold yeah. uh, Burke was the finance committee chair, and then Harold took, seized control put of the him city Evanson, yes. right.
3: And Evans, and that's then, right. And then, yeah, right,
1: okay. The things I remember. Right, exactly. <laughs>
3: no, no, you're absolutely right. I, I just know Burke wasn't there. I've, I've forgotten that Harold did it.
1: All right, that's Monroe Anderson, Adolfo Mondragon. Thanks so much for coming in, gentlemen. I know people have to move their cars before they get
0: towed. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J O R A v in victory s k y so let's recap tuesday through friday 1 until 3 p.m live streamed on the chicago sun times youtube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast yes the ben jarofsky show is back we're live and downloaded tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show
1: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Man, do we have some good shows next week. Who's on, you ask? Well, I'll tell you suggest Tuesday, March 19th, Maya Dukmasova from my beloved Chicago Reader will be here talking politics. Jim Coogan, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan, will be talking Trump, Trump, and Trump. Eh, plus, we have a mystery guest on that day. Ooh. Wednesday, oh my goodness, we're going to be talking Chicago politics with In These Times reporter Miles Camp Lassen. Alderman Nick Spizzano, he's been in the news lately. He'll be on the show. We'll have a striking member of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra in this show. Thursday, March 21st, don't miss this one. Mickey D, McDumpkey will be here. Jake Lewis will be here from the Chicago Federation of Labor. Alderman Sue Garza, I should say Alderwoman Sue Garza. And then we close down the show Friday March 22nd, Ramana Hussain, Kelly Cassidy, and Emily Miller from Governor Pritzker's office will be talking politics, budgets, mayor's race, everything under the sun next week on The Ben
0: Jarovsky Show. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the
1: Ben Jarofsky Show. Yes, indeed. Commercial break. we going to get down to business. Jeff Johnson is sticking around in the studio. John Arena is here with us. He's the Alderman of the 45th Ward. My God, John, time flies. I met you, I think it was, eight years ago. I moderated the debate. It was always tough elections in the 45th Ward. The first round won against Johnny Garrido. Uh, and, and then there was a sec- the rematch against Garrido in... Uh, 2015, I did not moderate this year's debate, you lost. It's because I didn't moderate the debate, John Arena. Uh, I there anyway. was
4: something missing from this campaign.
1: Anyway, it's welcome back to the down. show. I appreciate you were a, a frequent guest on my old show. In fact, we were in your ward in the old yeah, days. Exactly. I was in your ward in the old days. We won't talk about that. We won't that. talk about that. <laughs> if we won't talk about how Jeff Johnson was the last guest I had before you uh, got, before he got fired. Before I got fired. <laughs> yeah, uh, he yeah, exactly. said something. They go, they didn't like it. Boom, get rid of Ben. <laughs> uh, anyway, John Arena, let's talk about the last election. Uh, you were two-term uh, victorious. You were a two-term alderman, and you were running for the third term, and you lost... Any sense of why you went, why you lost this one?
4: Uh, Well, I mean, I took on a lot of tough fights. Um, I took on a lot of tough fights. I mean, affordable housing is is a problem. Uh, You know, conversationally, density developments is an issue, and on the northwest side. But it was something that I had been running on twice, and Mm -hmm. said we need to do this. And once, you know, sometimes it's if it's in the abstract. It's one thing. If it's in, you know, in the ground and and people are seeing it, then it might be another. Um, And it's something that it's always easy for the opposition to latch on and to create narratives around, uh, you know, people's worst fears and the tropes that go along with any kind of density housing, Mm -hmm. especially when there's some affordable uh, component to it. But these were things that um, I got in the race to do that for me. And we've got them done. I mean, the 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 zoning's passed, the the budgets are there, the, the permits are issued. So these things are going to get built. And w- what I hope comes out of this is in five years, when we have an active economy in Jefferson Park and at Six Corners, and the things that are going to be built over the next couple of years are going to be things that are familiar to us and... Are going to be the things that we love because they bring the things that everybody said they wanted back in 2011 when I was running the first time, which is businesses and activity and jobs in our neighborhood um, and a vibrant, you know, uh, culture uh, that, that that's built around those things. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, what are the things uh, I noticed for, about your ward. Uh, it, politics is for real they fight hard in the 45th ward uh your victory in 2011 uh was over an entrenched democratic machine that had been around forever and ever you defeated john garito and i wrote at the time that i would have a hard time uh determining who i would vote for this is back in 2011 when you're in the runoff off garito i respected garito because he took some uh, uh tough stands uh against the police department i respected you uh I mean, he took some tough stance against the mayor. I respected you uh, because you were running as an independent voice. And so after the election was over, uh, you defeated Greer. It was very close. There was never, um, how do I put this, an alliance made between you and Greene. I've often wondered about that. Why was it so difficult uh, for these two sides in the 45th Ward battle who f- saw things eye to eye on so many issues mm-hmm. in terms of overall reform? Why was it so difficult for the arena and Garrido sides to make peace because he well
4: because he filed a lawsuit he filed a defamation lawsuit against me against the CFL against every union in SEIU AFSCME um, unite here ones that, that didn't even endorse me he filed a lawsuit against everybody because he was mad that he lost by 30 votes and none of them were the reason why he lost. He lost because he was handing out cards that said, come to my victory party on election day. And he wasn't knocking on doors like my campaign was. So part of the problem is there was no conversation after that first election about, okay, where do we see eye to eye and what can we do about making the community better? It was, I lost and I should have won. And, and now I'm going to waste everybody's money with a frivolous lawsuit. So that's a problem because, how do you have a conversation with with somebody who's you know now costing me $50,000 in legal fees um, you know and then we can you know so basically the battle the, the campaign waged on where he spent the the better part of 4 years saying everything I did was wrong and getting every article he could you know written about what was not right and things that weren't happening and so we went into the 2015 campaign And that was the one where he said, you know, okay, if I don't win this one, I'm done. And he did, we did sit down and talk afterwards. And I said, you know, how can we work together? And unfortunately, there wasn't a germane conversation from him to say, well, how can we work together? And he, you know, the social media barrage, you know, his comments online were, you know, as caustic as the rest of the circle that he was in. And, you know, it's really tough to say, okay, I have to turn the other cheek while I'm trying to get something done and everything I do is countered by, you know, well, what about that empty storefront? We fill two storefronts, but there's still one. I mean, at some point, you know, the politics gets so caustic that you can't have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because what we have more in common, right? And so now we're, now we're here. And, you know, of course, once, once affordable housing and 5150 came up, and John Garrido is standing up at a public meeting saying we need to drug test the children of the people that are going to live in this building. Well, I appreciate John Garrido's service to his community. It's a long service. He, he he's, he's invested. But this type of rhetoric is is not something I can respect. And so I want to have a legitimate conversation about development and density and mm-hmm. honest about who, who we need to give access to affordable housing. But if we're talking about... 1950s era rhetoric about drug testing kids i'm sorry i have a hard time getting in a room and saying we can see eye to eye on on this issue and that's on him unfortunately I'll, i will put that squarely on him what's on me is you know i'm a bull in a china shop too and and i don't respond i, I, I don't respond <laughs> yeah. well to to the kind of online rhetoric of you know tear everything apart because you didn't win as opposed to work together to build it up and we come back for another campaign. There's a contingent in, in the ward that never wants the campaign to end mm-hmm. and it has to end. Yeah. Otherwise this is what we get. And and it's unfortunate because we have this division that somehow we have to find a way to get through.
1: Well, and John is, I had this uh, theory, which uh, your recent election sort of disproved, but I had this theory and Jeff Johnson followed me on this theory that Voters will not punish an alderman who has the guts to stand up to an all-powerful mayor. And I base that theory on the track records uh, in the 90s of people like Helen Schiller in the 46th Ward, which is the uptown area uh, on the north side, who defied Mayor Daly on budgets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She always out a victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, to a degree. Down uh, in the fourth ward, she opposed Mayor Daley uh, on some budgets. She didn't have to eke out a victory. She was supported by her people. But I always had this thought that Chicagoans, I'm not from Chicago, but I've lived here a long time, respect people have guts, will stand up to an all-powerful mayor, and they will not punish an alderman for standing up a defying and defying an all-powerful mayor. I can't think of one. And I, I, that's why I was going to Arena's going to win cuz people will never punish him. And then they well, turned Well, they
4: didn't. I don't think they punished me because of my stance. No. I mean, I th- I think uh. they punished me because I believe in accountability, but I am I believe in accountability across the board. You can't say that other guy has to be accountable but not me. And and that's the problem in the in the battle and Jeff and I were just talking about this a second ago and and he <laughs> caught some of the brunt of it because He's been a friend, you know, to me in, uh, over time. Yeah, um, you know, I, I said, look, if we're going to have a dialogue about uh, difficult issues, then we have to find some level measure of respect. And you know, we got after we announced fifty-one fifty back in February of twenty seventeen. Um, you know, threats to my staff. I mean, the calls that were coming in and the type of rhetoric we were hearing. My w- wife was told not to be found, you know, get, be found alone in an alley. I mean, th- these are things that people were doing in their dress blues and, and, and as sit- representing the city. And we have a code of conduct. And I fought to get IG oversight over members of the city council. Full measure of that. I took on Ed Burke. I took on those fights. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I'm going to start with me as an as an elected official, which is what everybody wanted. And I want to and I'm going to go to the mayor and I'm going to say you have to be held accountable for what you do. And I'm going to speak truth to power there. Mm -hmm. And I spoke truth to power across the board. And that's kind of where the line was, where some people said, that's too far to go. And, And I'll, I'm, I have no problem with that. I have no problem losing election for doing what I believe is right. And what will ultimately across the board make the city a better place, if we Understand accountability matters, and it can't be just about the other guy.
1: Jeff, how do you deal with uh, union members who call you up to complain about John Arena?
5: Okay, yeah, this is an interesting conversation. Um, so. I I like to tell the members uh, that I I talk to, because there's a a lot of different unions in our uh, fund, they live all over across the city, and there's certain issues in their ward that they take issue with, Uh, 5150 was one of them. And I would say, I don't live in your ward, and it doesn't, I'm not gonna say it doesn't affect me, but it's not my issue. If that's issue you live there, that's your thing. But are they good at City Hall? Uh, Do they fight for the workers? Uh, John was a part of the privatization ordinance. He helped, uh, he fought for retiree health care for a long time. He was the guy that if I needed something, I'd text him Mm -hmm. and he got taken care of. Uh, Budget hearings and stuff like that. He would ask the hard questions. He was doing what needed to be done from like an automatic level and from like dealing with city hall. Yeah. The ward issues, that's where I'm kind of, I don't live there, you live there, you figure it out. Um, and so it's a thin line to walk, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, with that. And, you know, we were just talking about it a little bit. Uh, the 5150 issue, like I said, I was hands off, uh, whatever, you, know, you build it. And I, you know, I heard all the issues and everything, people would, um, would always you know, I, I was still him, I got people that send me uh, text mm-hmm. messages and Facebook messages of people I'm not even friends with. Hey, you know, they'd see on social media that, I, you know, I had an event with them. Hey, John, John Alderman Arena. Hey, here you go. And did you know what he's doing? Do you know what he's doing? You know what he's doing? I'd, uh, when I was running for re-election for trustee, people would ask me, what's your thoughts on John Arena? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, And, you know, and yeah, right? Um, and so... <laughs> you know i'm seeing things now where you know uh, john's uh, i don't i I can't even tell if it's real or not but it was something with uh, robert murphy and it's the you know hey he's connected with robert murphy and how that's going to play out there and I don't know if that's true or not. I don't even know what is. It was something going on on social media, and you know, social media with you
1: know w- with the members. Um, the 51- that's Robert Murphy, not the former disc jockey, but yeah, Robert exactly. Murphy, the uh, aldermanic um, candidate. Yeah. And you know,
5: it, it's a uh, it's the fifty one fifty. That issue could have played out. I think that that he wouldn't have uh, he would not have lost the election uh, if with the fifty one fifty issue alone. I, I think a lot of it was from forty one. A lot of members there. I don't think he you know he would have lost the north part of the ward, but the south side would have carried him. I think because. Uh, what was the numbers that you, uh, three thousand more votes than last time came in, and that's why somebody was telling me that you got the same amount of votes, right?
4: Yeah, right. I got I got about fifty three, fifty four hundred votes, which was about the same amount I got into the runoff the last two times. Nobody but thought was, that the other ones there yeah. was there was you know there look there's a there was a very. Um, I'll put it this way. I figured out a way to get Republicans to vote in municipal <laughs> elections for the first time.
5: But uh, oh, here's my, here's my there, question. There's a, there's a
4: contingent of, of, of folks up there that or anything I did, yeah. like I said, and then layer on the issues with city workers who I've been a defender of and yes. I continue to be a supporter of unions and, and their rights. Because by any objective measure, the things that I've done, the amount of union work and development that's that's been happening in the ward and will continue to happen in the ward, you know there isn't a measure where cfl shouldn't endorse me the it's it's the fact that there's a familiar relationship between gardner and the steel workers yeah. and and uh, sheet metal workers and then the local too
1: but well th- let me just say this is my day defending alderman i was defending nick spazano <laughs> earlier today uh and i'm gonna fel- uh, defend arena here i was there uh was at south shore high school in mm-hmm. 2011, and I was shy. I was there for a hearing, and part of the issue on the table was the privatization ordinance, mm-hmm. Jeff, that you just yeah, alluded right. to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in other words, Mayor Rahm and in his infinite wisdom wanted to privatize a worker, a water department of employees Yeah, and the, call, the call center. Yeah, yeah, the call center, and it was going to give good again uh, jobs that require people to live yeah. in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give Arena here a shout out. I was stunned. Who walked into the room? Mm-hmm. But trying to it from the 45th ward, I was in the South Shore. I was on the far yeah. south, I was yeah. south side of Chicago. I had never seen a 44th ward Alder <laughs> <can't>, resident. <laughs> you know what I mean in South Shore. No, older, so older. I give you credit for standing with those uh, water uh, employee sure. department. We stopped employees. 311 exactly. from getting private. Exactly,
5: 311 privatized too. But now here's my question. This is the one that I don't have an answer for, and I want to know your opinion. Where you ran off the rails, obviously, was the social media aspect, right? Uh, with that whole, you know, I'm sure most of your listeners know what, about that. But is there a way, and I get that, you know, if, if you say that you stuck to your values and all this other stuff, I, you know, I respect that, okay. Um, and it, is there a way now that, if you think about it in hindsight, that you would have done that a little differently? I mean, because that issue, like, like I said, 51-50, you don't lose the election, I don't think, personally. Mm-hmm. But that social media issue and the way that took off with the city workers, was there a different way that possibly? I mean, I because I'll be honest, I've thought about that. Like, was there a different way that this could have been handled?
4: I'm sure there is. I mean, the uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll there'll be more introspection about it. I've, I've thought about it a lot. I mean, would do I just not file any of those complaints? That, you know, that that makes it just a social media issue. Um, you know, the the you know that stuff. Those complaints weren't filed until a year after. There was uh, involvement from the IG. We were getting complaints. The part of the story that doesn't come out on social media is we were getting complaints from constituents, regular constituents that were watching this dialogue and were saying not because they were targeted or or they agreed with me or disagreed with me. It was that what they were hearing from folks um that worked for the city that represent the public safety sector that they want to rely on was troubling to them, and so we had to make a decision, an ethical decision about well how do I represent them as constituents? Um, I don't know if we made the wrong decision. We made the wrong decision at the time, um, you know, because of the, the the amplified nature of the rhetoric, um, you know, you're in battle mode. You're trying to defend. You're trying to to have a an honest conversation about something that you believe in that will ultimately benefit your constituents while you're being berated daily uh, over and over again. And the truth just can't cut through. So, yeah, I mean, it's on me. We took, we took the action. I, I don't shy away from that. Um, And the results are the results, but I never took this job and said, well, the way I'm going to, the way I'm going to lead is by saying how do I how do I have this job in four more year for four more years, and because I just don't believe in that, I don't mm-hmm. believe that's what we need to. There were even even if you take this one issue, the complaints off the table, the conversation around density development on the northwest side has never been an easy conversation, and there isn't a corner of the ward where I haven't introduced some measure of density. So you know, some people say in politics, you know, you start making enemies on day one, and you can stay in it until you until you make enough enemies. <laughs> I, I, I definitely yeah. you know, figured out how to do that in, <laughs> yeah. in an eight-year period. Uh-huh. 51% uh, of the ward enemies. enemies. You're in office till then. Yeah, still yeah. I, but but again, I didn't take the job because this is the job I want to do until I'm taken out in a box. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I ran against the guy who was on, under that mantle. My mantle is we need to do things in this city. We need to take on hard fights. We need to have conversations. You know, I voted for the largest tax increase in the city of Chicago's history to defend public sector pensions. Um, that wasn't an easy vote, and, but it got me things done in the ward, it got things done in the ward that we weren't going to be able to do without generating that revenue, like building an annex on pressing, or putting schools on, uh, fields on hitch and more classrooms um, in St. Cornelia School.
1: John, uh, you and Jeff have been alluding to 5150. Just take a moment to sure. explain. Some of our listeners probably do not know what 5150 is. Uh, it's an address. Tell yeah. them a little bit, just briefly, what 5150 yeah.
4: is. The address is 5150 North Northwest Highway, directly across the street from the 16th District Police Station. Um, it's in a kind of a mostly industrial segment of corridor that's within proximity to the Jefferson Park Transit Center. It's The, the building itself, it's a a, a a split site. One is a storage center a storage facility that's under construction now and then it's a seven story 75 unit building that is mixed income so it's 15 about 15 units of market rate and then 60 units um that are sliding scale affordable so you know 60% 30% and 15% of area median income so this is what when i when you look at the demographics of my ward financially based on the census you take an average block in Jefferson Park where this building is is mm-hmm. That's the demographic financially. We have folks living in $650,000 homes that were just rebuilt from the foundation up. And we have uh, 75-year-old pensioners that are trying to figure out how to fix the roof on their aging house. And And this is the constituency that I represent. And I'm clear-eyed about that. And that's why I thought this was something that's needed in our community, because there are people like Joel Baum that lives one block away from this and is bedridden, hasn't been able to get out of his you know, garden apartment for three years um, because there is no affordable elevator-served buildings that serve somebody like that who served our country as a veteran and has lived in Jefferson Park the majority of his adult life. And so we have to condemn him to that. Why not build on an empty piece of land that's been sitting there for 15, 20 years not producing?
1: And so that that complex is coming. It, uh, it is. Your defeat does not in any way jeopardize Uh, 5150, correct? Okay. All right. Now, uh, let's move away from local politics and talk about what went down yesterday in the Chicago City Council. Love to get both of your thoughts on this one, Uh, Jeff Johnson and Alderman John Arena. Uh, John, uh, we'll start with you. Lincoln Yard's got the city council approval on the zoning the aspect zoning of it, so there's still one more vote to go, Which is the and tiff. the TIF itself. Your and again,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Three, three hours <laughs> later, <laughs>
4: I, I lit the fuse. Here we go. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> I said the magic three letters. <laughs> oh, my God. It'll be on my tombstone, Mr. <laughs> Tiff. Uh, and, and trust me when I tell you, John Arena, I didn't start out this way. It probably would have been on my tombstone, Mr. Bull. Okay. I was really into the bulls. Anyway. All right. So uh, <laughs> so there's another vote to come on this thing. There is. Uh, got. I'm going to look on a bright side from my point of view. 14, Alderman, I believe, was 14, yeah, 14 voted no. The notion that you get 14 people to vote no on a local issue. All right. Because generally, alderman is king or queen of zoning and is there a award. Not always the case, but generally that's. So the local alderman, Brian Hopkins, loves this deal uh, more than I love the Chicago Bulls, if that's possible. Yep. More than I love pizza. Uh, more than I love fried chicken. He really loves this deal. All right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody loves a TIFF deal more than I love fried chicken. But anyway, um, 14 people voted no. Yeah. So I. take that as progress, Chicago, (laughs) glacial progress, because as we all know, Jeff Johnson knows as well as anybody in this room, that if you freeze the amount of property taxes that come out of that TIF district for the next 23 years, which is what we do when we approve a TIF deal, we cannot raise property taxes from that development to pay those pension obligations that we have, to pay our... our firefighters and our police yeah. and our teachers. And yet, Mayor Rahm got on the floor and said, and and your old pal Jolton Joe Moore from the 49th yeah. Ward, second of him, got up and said, this is a good vote to pay future property taxes. Yeah.
4: John. In 23 years. In
1: 23, yeah. yeah, maybe, yeah. unless they extend the TIF. Yeah. <laughs> there's always that possibility. So when you see such a level of unbelievable ignorance espoused by the people who are supposed to be leading the city of Chicago, do you get frustrated do you
4: yeah because this is the same debate we've heard and let me i'll take one step back this this particular zoning change is not a local zoning issue this is recreating a new downtown uh a new lakefront along the river this is beyond uh what i said on the floor was the constituents that live in this little polyp off of the second ward his con- <laughs> Brian Hopkins yeah. constituents are on the lakefront in the Ukrainian village, and then the, the spine that connects those two in this yeah, little polyp yeah. that includes basically an entirety of old manufacturing in the Finkel, Finkel Steel and the troop. There was no residents here. The residents are in the 32nd ward and the 43rd ward that are across the street, and they're the ones that by calling it a local zoning issue, you're ignoring the fact that they are. This is where they're going to be in the shadow of this. The debate on the council floor is always about these kind of narrow tropes, right? Well, this is a local issue. Um, TIF money is, you know, is going to be invested. We don't have the money to build bridges. But the underlying um, reality is a zoning change of this nature, going from M something up to what is essentially DX zoning, which is what, what you will allow, allows you to build a high rise like downtown building 600-foot buildings, 60-story buildings, 70, 80-story buildings. Um, That creates an enormous amount of real estate value that is right now pegged at zero and will go up to billions. Mm -hmm. Um, It is within that where we should be asking the developers to build bridges, roads, lights, and infrastructure, not in saying let's sequester that additional property tax revenue have them have them um build the stuff at their own bond issue and then we pay them back with interest over 23 years this is what i said on the floor and what i continue to say is that if we change the nature of how we look at tiff and how we use it this is exactly the this is rehashing the old way of looking at TIF that we don't have the money now but if we create value we'll have it in years the problem is the developers are running away with bank over that time, and that's what the analysis that the city won't do because it's an old dog and you're trying to teach new tricks.
1: Uh, Jeff Johnson, how do your uh, members generally view this? Yeah, and this is what I mean. It's a thin, it's that kind of
5: tightrope to walk because each crane is roughly 1,800 union jobs start to finish, Mm -hmm. and so you're talking 60-story buildings, uh, infrastructure, uh, streetlights, all this other stuff. It's putting members to work. And so it's like, all right, that's the, you know, that's the one side where it's like, hey, this can be good for, you know, for the, mm-hmm. th- the union trades. And then it's the other flip side of like, well, okay, take off your private union hat and put on your trustee hat. And it's like, well, that $900 million, like uh, Alderman Wagespeck said yesterday, what about the pension uh, obligation? $1.3 billion. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> what about the pension payments we have to yeah. make, right? So mm-hmm. it's that thin line to walk. And some of them, the members, you know, are kind of like torn on which way to yeah. go on that. My, uh,
4: yeah, my argument is that you're going to build these buildings either way right? either way yeah. in jefferson it's not like you yeah. have to incentive it, this isn't jefferson park where you have to fight the fight this well here's is the other lincoln deal lincoln
1: park yeah um uh, here we, whoops, I just uh, dropped it. My, paper down, paper, uh, paper down. down. Money, I got you. Uh, look up a campaign uh, that my good yeah. friend uh, Ed Maher's uh, promoting. Talk about the, all the infrastructure needs that we yeah. have in the city of Chicago. I'm showing uh, our Alderman Arena and Jeff Johnson the pictures that Ed left here. Bridges. of bridges. Yeah. deteriorating infrastructure, really important infrastructures all over the city of yeah. Chicago, yeah. not just in uh. Uh, this little polyp, which is... An interesting word. All right. We're (laughs) going to take a brief break and come back with our bonus segment.
0: Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, man, take us home. I love that. That,
1: I love that. I don't know where he found that song. (laughs) He found that song. I love that song. You know, it's just in the library. Oh, man. Tennis playing the keyboards there. Yeah. Little, little thing hey, to close uh, out this is this,
0: show. Our, this is our bonus <laughs> round. Bonus hour, folks! Ben loves the bonus <laughs> hour. But uh, before we get yeah. uh, with Jeff and John here, uh, we want to give a shout-out to our live streamers. How's it going, guys? Thank you so much for uh, listening to us live. And a special shout-out to the live stream chat room. Uh, more of you are joining us every day. Thanks to Michael, Odessa, Brett, Jeff, Ron, and John. All of you are fantastic. Tell your friends, yes, we live stream. Also, uh, we have a question uh, on our Facebook and Twitter pages, all right, at Benny J Show. Just find him. The question we're asking on our Facebook page, we're asking oh Beto O'Rourke. He just yeah. announced that he's running for right. president. So the question, Beto for president. We got a lot of comments. Keep the comments coming. We'll read more of those tomorrow. And we are taking a Twitter poll. Uh, once again, Beto for president. Yay, nay, or <laughs> That's the question that we're asking all, right. all of you uh, Head over to the Twitter page At Benny J Show on Twitter Because there are folks who download We're keeping that open until the beginning of tomorrow's program And we will re- read the results Right now, nay in the lead So if you're feeling Beto O'Rourke You better uh, go tell your friends to get on that Twitter page And click yay uh, We will uh, read the results tomorrow Alright, very good uh, I'm a
1: millennial here He knows how to do that Twitter game I'm uh, no
0: Carlos Ramirez Rosa. No, but he's getting there
1: You're getting there, alright All right. uh, Before we uh, let you head out the door, uh, Jeff Johnson, let's get a prediction out of you. The next time I see you in this studio, the election will be over and uh, either Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot will be our mayor. I know your union has endorsed Lori Lightfoot. I'm going to ask you to be a prognosticator. All right. I want you to predict who do you think our next mayor will be? I think uh, Lori Lightfoot pulls it out um, right now. I th- kind of think it's hers to
5: lose. All in all, this race, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, you know, let's be frank here. Uh, May twenty first, you are going to be sworn in, and what budget season starts roughly September. and You are going to have to find two hundred and eighty million dollars just in new revenue for pension funding. So yeah, you are going to have a very short honeymoon <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> um, and so yeah. I, I would say I wouldn't wish that job in my worst enemy. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think Lori pulls it out, and I think that, that it's under. Five 575,000 votes. All right. It's going to be a low vote total. And you're going to see a couple incumbents get uh, bounced out too. I think uh, there's, uh, you know, with uh, the the ward races, uh, there's a lot of, I think that it's the, you know, shake things up
1: mentality where you're going to see a lot of. You want to make some predictions on that or you're not ready to make those predictions? People would go to Vegas and put money down based on your predictions, young man. Nah, you got to keep that. But yeah, I think there's going to be. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's the prediction. You're going to see some uh, more turnover. (laughs) All right. uh, So he ducks and dodges on the prediction issue. I don't blame you. All right. John Arena, two part question. Number one, who do you think will be our next mayor? And number two, uh, what are your future plans? Sure,
4: um, I think Lori's going to take this. I think I think the city's looking for somebody who um, doesn't have the baggage of the Democratic Party per se, like Tony. She's I think whichever way it goes, we've got good options before us. Um, I like Lori as mayor and and Tony continuing to to do the good work that she's been doing at the county and create stability. I don't like the idea that um, we, we have we finish up the mayor's race and then we got to go into a special election. For uh, for the county president, right after that, and then get ready to go into the the, the, the presidential primaries that are coming up to 2020. No, oh, I primaries. can't wait for those presidential so, primaries. And those
1: are right upon. By the us way, are the you excited about Beto O'Rourke, or are you uh, not feeling the Beto? Uh,
4: I mean, I liked, I liked, I saw him speak when he was running, he came to Chicago and I was at a fundraiser where he spoke and he's definitely a dynamic figure, but with, you know, we've got a lot of folks to be looking at right now. So, you know, you've, we're, we're going to, we're going to see Bernie Sanders speak.
1: Were
0: you again. a Bernie and, guy last? I just yeah, I was. A, I was a delegate. The two Bernie. of you were Bernie guys. Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: yeah. So yeah. I, really I mean, Bernie
1: bros. Oh, Bernie, Bernie bro's. bros. Yeah. Bro. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so we have, we have a lot of folks to vet out in the democratic side of us and see what happens on the republican side
1: and so what uh, what's next for uh, john arena
4: well i mean politically I'm, I'm the committeeman through you know uh through next year and i'm gonna my plan is to run again for that i think we need to defend um progressive politics on the northwest side um jim gardner in a recent article uh, told a columnist that he was going to run for it and my concern there is you know, because his base is a mix of kind of old school, regular Democrats and a kind of a caustic alt-right Republican base that's that seems to come out. Um, I don't think we want to see that uh, the progressive community that I represent well um, and the real Democratic Party wants to see that takeover um, at the county level. So I'm going to fight uh, for that. And then, you know, I, I, I'm i two more months in this term. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to continue to do the work for the people that I was uh, hired to do. And um, we'll work on a tra- transition with Jim. Uh, hopefully, he can get off to a good start and, and figure things out. But, um, you know, my career path has never been normal. So I've been an entrepreneurial spirit for a long time. Um People are calling me. They're they're wanting to get that together and talk. Uh, my experience with economic development and uh, and housing issues and and government process is is something that has value to it. So I look forward to you know continuing to serve in some capacity.
1: All right, very good. That's John Arena and uh, Jeff Johnson. Thank you for uh, sitting in as well. Some uh, grueling questions from Jeff Johnson. Got get a Future as a reporter there. <laughs> He's going, nope, not
0: well, me. I wish that I'm
1: my worst enemy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Jeff Johnson, John Arena. don't
4: go too hard on Jeff, folks. Come on, I just want to say this. Jeff's a good man, all right? You just, don't well,
1: yeah, and folks. that's what I made. Yeah,
5: me and guy. you were just close. <laughs> me, me and you were, I considered you a friend for so long, and it bothered the hell out of me the way that the race, that how this whole, his whole trajectory took off. And like I said, I was telling him, it just got to the point where his name was toxic. And it kills me because I considered him a friend. And then, like, the business side takes over. Of, like, well, all right, this is the business of it.
1: And well, politics is rough and tumble, yeah, but I'll say this exactly. again. I started the show, again, defending Nick posato <laughs> and I'm going to close it. John Arena was there, city workers. I'm just telling you yeah. straight up, he was there in a privatization ordinance, and he's been there fighting the mayor on these tiff deals, which means more money that go to uh, city workers, more money to spend on salaries, more money to be spent on uh, pensions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So you got to give him that. You know, continue uh, to be there. and an uh, so yeah, so uh, maybe those fights are behind us, although it seems <laughs> like we're getting ready for another committeeman's battle. Uh, anyway, Jeff Johnson, thank you very much. John Arena, thank you very much. Maya Dukmasu and uh, at the 130 hour, Miles Porter, our editor, a fantastic job as always. And the man, the myth, the legend behind the soundboard there. The pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Oh, the ladies love them. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, indeed. That's funny. The young Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We got Lori Lightfoot coming in here tomorrow, folks. With? mark sims mark sims oh my good friend mark sims the immortal mark sims will be here and ramana hussein will be here oh the it's ramana rundown the ramana rundown lots of good stuff tomorrow see you then everybody
0: hey remember the ben Jarosky show is brought to you by unions and a bunch of them. these hard-working men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this online podcasting experience And we would like to thank the following unions for making this show possible. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Big thank you to those unions. And, of course, a special shout-out to our good friend Bob Ryder and the Chicago Federation of Labor.